there, I'm Leslie Goodburn. You're listening to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. In the podcast, we look at pancreatic cancer across its impacts, outcomes, and future treatment and support. We'll hear from patients, loved ones about the reality of the diagnosis. We'll hear from surgeons, oncologists, and nurses about the work they do to support people who are affected. We'll hear about the wonderful work done by researchers to find a breakthrough in understanding and treatments for the future. We hope that as a result of the podcast, you'll learn more about the signs and symptoms, about how this diagnosis affects the family, about the hope for the future. Thank you for listening. Charlotte and I look forward to you joining us on our journey through pancreatic cancer throughout the 30 days of November with contributors from across the world. The Purple Rainbow podcasts are produced as part of Seth's legacy in memory of my wonderful, kind, curious, funny husband, Seth Goodburn. Hello, welcome to today's episode. I'm Charlotte and today I'm talking to Michelle. Michelle is 54 although she does not look it. She's from Maine in the United States and she has a history of breast cancer as well as pancreatic cancer. And following on from what we were talking about on yesterday's podcast, Michelle has also tested for the BRCA2 mutation gene. I'll go back to 2019. Um, That's when I had a diagnosis, an early stage diagnosis of breast cancer. And I didn't know anything, or I didn't know a lot about my family history at the time. Um, I was adopted at birth, so I had very little information about what might be in my medical history. I did have one piece of information where I did know that my birth mom had breast cancer at a young age. Uh, So we were looking out for that. I started my mammograms early, probably at age 30. And like I said, in 2019, I I did have a diagnosis of breast cancer. And with that diagnosis, I made the decision to go ahead with the genetic testing at that time. Um, And fortunately, like I said, it was an early diagnosis of breast cancer. I was able to um, have a mastectomy. um, So that part of that was just preventative um, to make sure that I was looking out for any chance of recurrence given the genetic risk. And then I further went on to have um, the other, some other risk-reducing surgeries, like I had uh, my tubes and ovaries removed um, shortly after recovering from the mastectomy. And based on the, the tumor testing that was done at the time um, that I had my mastectomy, I, it, the results of it showed that I wouldn't get any more benefits from chemo that would outweigh the risks of going through chemo. So I felt like I kind of got lucky (laughs) um, in a way because I had, you know, the surgery was difficult, but um, I felt like, you know, I didn't have to go through that step of chemo um, and all of the kind of trauma that that entails. But also at the time, obviously we were talking about what, what types of risks do uh, does that BRCA diagnose bring to the forefront? And we talked about pancreatic cancer. And I think the distressing thing for me at the time that we talked about it was, although the overall risk is small, it's still an elevated risk. And there, it, at the time anyway, there, there wasn't a lot <clears throat> that could be done preventatively or even from a surveillance perspective, it was very 
limited options there that weren't overly invasive. So, you know, that kind of stuck in the back of my mind as, well, maybe the risk is low, but I just didn't feel as confident about it, you know, as I did with, you know, the risk of ovarian cancer, there's something you can do there to minimize that. So um, kind of walked away from that um, experience of going through breast cancer and preventive surgeries. And then in April of 2021, so just about two years later, I was having some stomach pain and some other feelings of fullness um, after eating pretty small meals. And obviously, I think the kind of the echoes of that risk of pancreatic cancer have always been in the back of my mind. And for anyone um, that is that knows about pancreatic cancer or maybe ha- knows of someone who has been through it, a lot of the symptoms are very, um, very hard to pin down. They they can be related to a lot of other things. So my radar was up though, so I didn't wait too long to reach out to my uh, oncologist that I had been seeing for breast cancer about this stomach pain that I was having. And so uh, they moved pretty quickly to have me scanned. And um, it did reveal something in my pancreas. I went through further testing um, at that time, including ERCPs, where they kind of scope, um, you know, down to take a biopsy and to look around in that area. I had an MRI through that diagnostic process which is probably one of the worst experiences that anyone can go through. Uh, You know, it's very murky period of time. Um, You know, obviously hearing you have pancreatic cancer, most, um, um, you know, people that hear that will think that that is one of the worst ones to get that aren't a lot of really good outcomes to it. you know, and so the diagnostic phase before I understood really what I was dealing with was really, really difficult emotionally. Um, uh, cause I just, you know, felt like, uh, very uncertain about what the future would hold. Um, and so I was fortunate in the diagnostic phase to find out that the staging at that point in time, based on imaging looked like it was, uh, two, like a stage two, meaning I could possibly be a candidate for the Whipple surgery. So we headed down that path and then in um, collaboration with my surgical oncologist and my oncologist, we decided um, the best approach would be to start with chemo. Um, So I started with eight rounds of Fulferinox chemotherapy um, and that took, I want to say, most of the summer of 2021 um, to go through that period of chemotherapy. Um, and the point of that was to reduce the tumor and to make surgery uh, conditions be as optimal as possible. Um, and so I, I did proceed to have the Whipple surgery in October of 2021. Um, and then when I recovered from that, I finished the chemotherapy with four more rounds of uh, Fulferinox. Um, and that was the kind of the, 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 the treatment element for me. I, I was able to um, have a scan at the end of that treatment just prior to the Christmas holiday and had um, the good news of no, no evidence of disease at that time. Um, so that That's was the Christmas present, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was really wonderful. I mean, I was feeling absolutely horrible. Um, 
physically, you know, from going through all of that chemo and still in a in large part recovering from the Whipple. Um, the Whipple surgery is a very um, intense uh, uh, major surgery. Um, so that, that I kind of think in hindsight of everything that I went through, uh, uh, the chemo itself, anybody who goes through chemo goes through a lot, the surgery is a lot. And I had kind of everything, um, in a, in a, you know, that period of time was a lot to go through, but certainly having the outcome at the end, right before the holidays, knowing that the treatment had been successful was, um, was just a wonderful, uh, wonderful way to end the year. So you, it's fair to say, I wonder if this is a really English way of saying it, but you've been through a bit. You've been bit. through it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. And I, um, some, you know, I think, you know, I, I'll refer back to that diagnostic phase when I found out I had pancreatic cancer. I think mentally and emotionally it was very difficult because I, I got stuck for a little while in that space of saying, why me? Why am I going through something like this again? And it's this genetic risk. And, you know, why, you know, what's, <laughs> what did I do wrong? You know, I mean, you kind of feel at some point, like, why, why is this happening to me? Um, I think once I got settled into understanding the treatment plan, and had the vision that we that I could go through this treatment plan and end up with a positive outcome, I kind of attached to that. And that lifted me kind of out of that period of just feeling sorry for myself, I guess. Um, and, and I really um, tried to focus a lot on what are the things that I can do? What's the next step? Um, I think it was very daunting to think about that end-to-end treatment that I kind of talked through in a way. I'm listening to myself talk through that in a consolidated way. But in the moment, I really could only focus on what what's my next chemo treatment and what do I need to do to get through that? What are the symptoms I'm having from you know this round that I can explain to my doctor and um, the nurses and what adjustments can they make? Because for me to think about, oh, it's eight rounds or, and then a surgery and then four more, it was just too much to take in. Um, And so I really got into this, mentally tried to get into this space of, I'm just thinking one treatment ahead and then one, you know, um, next test that I have a scan or whatever, and just kind of thinking one segment ahead. And then within that within that space that I'm in, what can I do to try to get some good quality of life, uh, you know, out of what's going on? Um, because in, um, for people who have been through chemo, it, it is, um, you know, some pretty horrible, horrible days where you're just, your body is just, uh, not what you're used to at all. And you're just kind of, um, succumbing to that, to the side effects and the, um, what's, what's happening with your body to try to get rid of this cancer is just, um, really, uh, um, puts you through a lot mentally and physically and trying to hold on in that roller coaster is pretty much all, all you can do at times. I think it's a very natural reaction to immediately have that. Why me? What's gone wrong? Why, what have I done? And, but to to be able to turn it around and go, okay, let's just go. And to how, if you do think about all the big stuff all at once it does feel too overwhelming doesn't it whereas if you can break it down and go okay let's just get to this next step then we'll do the next and then we'll do the next it's like 
It's like when you do a marathon, which is a silly thing to do, but when you do a marathon, you don't think, right, it's 26.2 miles. You go, okay, let's get to the first 5K. And then that's done. Then you you break it down into, into the pieces that feel more achievable and doable, don't you? Yeah, and I'm not really an athlete either, but I did think of uh, this treatment plan that I had was almost like a triathlon, right? Like you have to do the three. I, I thought about it very much in three segments. You know, I've got the chemo, the surgery, and then the chemo. And um, I just tried to visualize, um, you know, every every time I went into the chemo um, and for a chemo session, it was like, okay, I, I'm showing up. I'm here. I'm just going to do the best I can with it. Um, I think it wasn't until like, I I will say that the next to the last one that I had, um, my body was pretty worn down after going through the surgery and, and then going back at the chemo and, um, this chemo in particular, it, it really, um, does a number on your digestive system. So just your stomach is really, um, really messed up through the process. And I remember going into that next to the last one thinking, I don't know if I can do this today, but that was the only time I felt like, I don't know if I'm up for this. Um, the last one I felt like a little buoyed by, you know, that, that adrenaline rush of it being the last one. And, you know, you can, you can do anything at that point, I feel, but, um, I tried to show up and say, this is, this is what I need to do. This is my job. Um, to try to meet this, meet this treatment today and, and do what I can to get through it. Um, and, and just kind of get in the right mental space to, to do that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. That's really, really, really good to hear. Thank you. How are you doing now? How are things? I'm doing, I'm doing well. So you would think that, um, coming to the end of that, that treatment that I described would be kind of, uh, I would just kind of try to just enjoy life, which I am, but I did, um, come across a clinical trial, uh, in the middle of my treatment, I was always kind of keeping my radar up for what, what's going on out there with pancreatic cancer, what types of, um, new treatments are on the horizon or what's, what's evolving in that space. And I found out about a clinical trial that was tailor-made for me. I thought when I read about it, it's for people who have um, the BRCA mutation um, and a couple of other genetic mutations who have gone through a successful treatment of chemo and the Whipple and have no evidence of disease. So it was fitting me to a T. But the trial is to um, be on either a PARP inhibitor called Olaparib or a placebo. So I'm not sure if I'm getting the drug or a placebo, but the purpose of the trial is to determine if um, this PARP inhibitor can um, reduce the recurrence rate because the recurrence rate for pancreatic cancer is quite high, particularly in the first two years. I think it's been explained to me at 60 to 70 percent likelihood of recurrence. So at the end of treatment, I thought, well, um, if I've been, I've done everything I can to fight to get through um, dealing with this cancer, what can I do to continue to um, fight to preserve my health. And I also felt very much compelled to participate in something that I felt will help to benefit others along the way. Um, certainly having going through chemo and the Whipple, there were people that came before me who were in clinical trials that showed that these were effective treatments. And so to be able to participate in something that I think benefits me, but also has the benefit of the greater good feels just right to me. Um, so 
I am in the middle of that. I'm about halfway through that 12 month trial. Um, and so I feel well, but I will say whether I'm getting the placebo or the drug, I am having some side effects from that. Nothing like what I had during the chemotherapy treatment, but, um, you know, I, I feel at times pretty fatigued and some other side effects. So, um, you know, I'm feeling like really good about participating in the trial, but I, I do think uh, maybe at the end of the trial, I think it will give me that chance to kind of return to what is my new normal for my for health and and things like that. And how, how have your family been throughout this? And were were they worried about you going on the trial, or did they have any concerns about that? My family has have been wonderful. My husband is such a wonderful caregiver and support for me. Um, he really has been able to share a lot of the load with me, uh, right there with me by my side for everything. Very positive and supportive. Um, my I have three daughters of my own, and so they they've been wonderful. It's scary, you know, for um, you know for children to see a parent go through something that seems so serious and, and potentially life-threatening. I think it's pretty overwhelming. The other piece for my girls is that they also have their own health considerations, knowing that this is a genetic mutation that carries risk and what does that mean for them. So they're all at kind of various stages of thinking about testing or testing and things of that nature. So, you know, I think it it's, um, it's important for me to, uh, to set a good example for them, you know, I mean, I, I hope none of them are positive for it, but, but, you know, if they have, even, even if they are not positive for it, people are going to have health challenges likely at some point in their life. And so to, um, to be kind of still be that, that role model and set an example for how can you kind of have the courage to go through something I think has been, um, something they've, they've expressed to me. And so when it came time for me to decide to go into the trial. They, they were, um, my husband and my children, my whole family has been incredibly supportive of just saying like, whatever you feel like you need to do. Um, we're, you know, definitely behind you on this. And my girls will say that they're proud of me for doing it, but (laughs) they're, they're, they're great. This is a tough cancer. I, I've had a really good outcome. I, I know people that are dealing with it, um, have various, different outcomes and different treatment paths. But I think any, anyone that can advocate for um, really listening to your body and paying attention to changes in your kind of in your stomach and in and your digestive system, it, it really does pay to push and advocate with your primary care doctor um, or whoever your, you know, your, your primary doctor is to, to uh, look out for this. Um, it, it can be, I think, undiagnosed for a while. And that time is such precious time. And I think for me, an early diagnosis really made all, all the difference. Thank you so much to Michelle for spending some time with me and telling me all about herself. It was an absolute pleasure to, to speak with Michelle. I really enjoyed the conversation that we had and I hope you did too. Don't forget, we're releasing an episode every weekday throughout November. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Make sure you don't miss an episode. You can do that by following the podcast through your podcast app. There'll be a little button. You can click it and it'll say follow it. And it means that your podcast will pop up every time uh, we publish a new episode. It'll pop up on your phone. And of course, you can always head to purplerainbow.co.uk for more info about what it is we're doing.